Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Attitude might have been WWE's golden meal ticket to win the Monday Night Wars, establish a pro wrestling monopoly, and generally rule the bloody world, but Ted Turner kinda did it first. I'm Andy from What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 ideas WWE blatantly stole from WCW. Number 10. Edgy characters and attitude. The WWE product was largely rubbish in 1996. Wrestlers like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and more were putting on in-ring clinics, but the company was still clutching on to cartoonish presentations that now felt completely outdated. That's why Steve Austin was such a bolt of lightning. However, rewatch Austin's early run as Stone Cold and you'll still see a lot of the tame old stuff. Austin didn't really come into his own as a character until 1997, which was well after the NWA's bad guys so good at being bad guys that they got cheered for it routine even kicked in. That edge, that different tone, gave Vince McMahon the blueprints to fashion WWF attitude with a short while later. WCW were the first to blur the lines, and made a truckload of cash doing so. The NWO was hot, the product was genuinely cool and edgy. Vince McMahon took that template, ultimately made it more successful, pushed the envelope even further, and made even more money, but he wouldn't have got to that all on his own. Number 9. The Evil Boss Mr. McMahon might be the ultimate evil boss character in pro wrestling, but Eric Bischoff was doing it a full year before his rival, having joined the NWO in November 96. Austin vs. McMahon is often portrayed as groundbreaking for numerous reasons, and to be fair, it is. It's the most important feud in wrestling history. But this version of Vince McMahon on screen was not the original. Bischoff had been working a similar shtick way earlier. His role in the NWO cannot be glossed over. It was important to Hollywood Hogan's presentation as a heel and provided an authoritative, on-air, dueling person-man-guy person that could battle in promos with Hulk's babyface foes. Mr. McMahon was the WWE-ified version of this, taking the idea of an evil boss to even greater heights. Number 8. The Granddaddy of Them All WWE barely uses this this old WrestleMania nickname anymore. They typically go with the show of shows or the showcase of the immortals. Those are the ones they lean on on a more regular basis. Now, that might not be because the granddaddy of them all actually belonged to Starcade first, but the granddaddy of them all definitely belonged to Starcade first. The first Starcade took place with that nickname in 1983, two years before the first Mania. It was wrestling's original mega event, not Mania. And then 85 rolled 
fumbled around in WWE most gleefully pretended that nobody had ever tried such a thing, including pilfering the nickname. Number 7. The Cruiserweight Division Template What was the light heavyweight championship, if not a bid to claim some of the thunder that WCW had landed with their cruiserweight title? WWE introduced the light heavyweight tournament in 1997, one mere month after Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero had torn off the roof in a legendary match. And there's no way in hell that you can convince me that that was a coincidence. The McMahons wanted a piece of the high-flying pie. Bruce Pritchard has pretty much admitted on his podcast that this was the case, promptly booking international stars like Takamichinoku and Pantera to come over. This is an example of something WWE lifted from WCW and executed rather poorly. The light heavyweight strap was far less than WCW's cruiserweight belt, particularly during the cruiserweight belt's peak years. And all due respect to my childhood favourite, S.A. Rios, but it just didn't stack up, and everybody kinda knew it. Number 6. Raven's Flock Eric Bischoff has previously dismissed Raven, for better or worse, as nothing more than a solid mid-card act whom he doesn't think could have main-evented WCW cards in the late 90s. But Raven could do something else, catch WWE's eye and influence The Undertaker's career direction. Raven's Flock followed him around like lost puppies. Perry Saturn, Kidman, Sick Boy, Lodi, and more were all misfit toys who didn't appear to have much of a place elsewhere on the roster when they started cozying up to their leader, their intoxicating leader, in 1997. What does that sound like to you guys? Taker's Ministry of Darkness, that's what. The likes of Midian, Viscera, The Brood, and Acolytes all fit the misfit mold in 1999 as well. Now, I might be nuts with this one, but I firmly believe that the Ministry was a souped-up satanic flock. The presentation was very similar, and Raven has always carried his character like a deity, much like a certain dead man. Number 5. The Latino World Order The most recent WCW reprisal in WWE flies in the face of how the LWO was initially presented to the world. Rey Mysterio, who appears to be the leader of the current group, didn't want to be in the LWO in 1998. Rey was booked to shun Eddie Guerrero's offer of a spot in the LWO at the first time of asking. Then, typically, WCW use writers burned through some more story before losing interest in a Latino spin-off for the much successful NWO, and that was that, until 2023. The LWO idea must be kind of curious to those of you who didn't live through the original in WCW, but approximately 25 years on, someone who wasn't even a key member of the original group has reprised the faction on WWE television with no New World Order anywhere to be found. It's an interesting move, but a fun one. The new stable absolutely rules and it gets talented people on television on a more regular basis. It's great, if you ask me, and if this was stolen, I mean, obviously it was, it's literally the same thing, then I can let them off of it. This kicks ass. Number four, Mr. Ass equals the booty man. Billy Gunn liked to pick him, kick him, watch him, and stick him. Of course he did. He was Mr. Ass. He likes ass. Anyway, it was pretty juvenile humor typical of the late 90s in pro wrestling, but again, it wasn't totally fresh. WCW beat the WWF to the punch. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the booty man. That's 1995 to 96 gimmick played by former WWE star Ed Brutus Beefcake Leslie was something else. He was obsessed with his own butt, because that was the gimmick, and he even had the booty babe, Kimberly Page, in his corner for his matches. Of course, this predated Gunn's own ass-inine tactics, 
kill me by a few years. But nobody really talks about that. Number three, Hell in a Cell is WWE's war games. What if we put a roof on it? That suggestion apparently came from the lips of one Jim Cornette, who also pitched that the newfangled cage design would allow for some brawling around ringside while people were technically still locked up. Hell in a Cell was born as a result of this, and it seemed so fresh and original in 1997. But it was probably based on war games. WWE would eventually bring the old NWA slash WCW favorite back onto the scene in 2017, but they palmed off the notion of war games for decades. From a distance, both setups looked fairly similar to fans watching on. War games had the double cage, sure, but Hell in a Cell's intimidating scale made up for the fact that it was just one structure instead of two. Nonetheless, WWE has both of them now, so I guess they got their cake and ate it in the end. Number two, SmackDown's presentation equals thunder. <sighs> that was probably the noise that you could hear coming out of Eric Bischoff's office when higher-ups in WCW told him that Ted Turner wanted a brand new two-hour primetime show every Thursday. Thunder was born in early 98, and Eric had to try and make things as different as possible from the already established Nitro every single week. The very next year, Vince McMahon debuted SmackDown. The show became a Thursday night staple as well, and that can't have been accidental. Also, this is something nobody within WWE would ever admit, but SmackDown's blue color scheme was totally lifted from Thunder's cold, almost icy aesthetic. Red and black on Mondays, blue and white on Thursdays. WWE can brag about introducing Raw before WCW Nitro, but they can't have the same claim with any confidence that SmackDown didn't leech a little bit from Thunder. Even though SmackDown is now the most watched wrestling show in the entire world, and Thunder is, uh, well, you know, a section on the network. Number one, having more than one world title. The new WWE World Heavyweight Championship is a version of the old WCW world title, the big gold belt, with a big old WWE logo slapped right in the middle. This isn't the first time that Vince McMahon's company has used that title design, though. They introduced the same belt, sort of, minus the WWE logo back in 2002, but dropped all of the WCW branding. Having more than one world title on your books isn't something unique to WWE either. WCW had both the NWA and international straps knocking around on the product in the early 90s. They then unified the latter with the newly minted WCW world title to create one identifiable world belt and sort all the confusion out. So in short, the promotion claimed the original big gold belt as their own, then echoed WCW by running multiple world championships in the same company. History has sort of repeated itself, and probably for the better. We kind of need two titles, right? One world title on Raw, one on SmackDown. But anyway, guys, that's it. The list is done. But let me know of any other examples down in the comment section below. After that, thank you so much for subscribing, hitting the thumbs up, sharing the video, all of that good stuff. And you can follow us on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE and myself at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for heritage. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.